Maybe now? There we are. Good evening, good evening everybody. I want to start uh, by just thanking everyone in attendance for braving this to be here because uh, it makes me feel pretty special. Thank you all for joining us tonight. If you are watching at home, thank you for joining us as well. If you are watching from home, leave a comment right now just in the, on the video to let us know that you're there with us. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Um, maybe some of you, this is the first time you've been here in a while or maybe even your first time joining us. I'm not entirely sure. I do see some faces I haven't seen in a while, and it is good to see so many of you. Uh, my name is Adam Falkenstein. I am the children's director here normally at North Olmstead French Church. But all of our kids are asleep right now, and so I'm taking the reins for the 11 o'clock service. It gives Pastor Jeff the opportunity, obviously, to go home and rest and sleep, and uh, gives me the privilege of sharing a message with you on Christmas Eve, and so I'm happy to do that. You know, actually, up until just a few years ago, we, we'd never really done an 11 o'clock service here at the church before, um, but when we decided to give it a shot, it seemed like a really good opportunity to try some unconventional things. And we've had different approaches to how the service would be orchestrated, uh, from the mood to the music to even, as you can tell, how we have the room set up right now. Uh, I heard a lot of comments from you guys coming in of like, oh, this is so different. You've never done it this way before. And yeah, it was intentional. We, wanted, we want to you know, keep you on your toes and keep you guessing. Um, but it gives us, you know, at least for me, it, pr it provides a really awesome opportunity to really dive in and look at people from scripture who are connected to the Christmas story and maybe not quite often as thought of and allow them to broaden the scope of our understanding about what this season is supposed to mean. Ironically enough, obviously, we found ourselves in the midst of a very unconventional year where it seems like everything has changed or is consistently changing. With things as they are, even at Christmas time, it seems only natural to address the reality that we've all been living in for close to a year now. Can you believe that? In fact, if you had told me last Christmas Eve when I was sharing that everything in the entire world is about to experience extreme upheaval, I would have probably like laughed and shrugged it off and said, oh, you just read something online, you don't know what you're talking about. But the reality is that is what we've experienced. We finished off Christmas last year, and we moved into 2020, and almost immediately, things began to change across the world. In fact, I was just scrolling recently through some photos that I had saved that were dated back in February, where we at the church made a social media post stating, in-person classes will be canceled for at least the next two weeks. And I kind of laughed. I was like, huh, we had no idea. Because as time went on and reality set in, by the time Easter rolled around, in-person classes had been canceled for a while. Groups were not meeting anymore. We as a church staff were barely in the building, and our services were being entirely live-streamed. Things seemed hopeful as people worked together collectively to flatten the curve, and we finally began to return to some semblance of normalcy as we attempted to start scheduled classes limited seating for in-person services, and even, you know, had a youth retreat. But time and again, there have been setbacks, and services and events have been canceled, even some of our own people becoming sick with the virus. Just last month, actually, uh, we realized that there had been the risk of exposure that prohibited us 
from meeting at the very last minute for our Thanksgiving Eve service. And truthfully, we didn't know leading up to today whether in-person services would even happen for Christmas Eve. It was kind of always on the fence. Are we going to be able to do this? And this is really just our little church bubble. Move beyond this, and there are a plethora of other major societal and economic events that have happened over this past year that have shaken things up drastically. And it really does make you stop and wonder, has it really only been a year? And really, it hasn't. We haven't even gotten to that year mark yet. Now, given any of this, a person would feel discouraged. But all of it together... It's really easy to understand how someone could find themselves feeling hopeless. But the truth is, even in the midst of everything that this last year has thrown at us, hopelessness is not reality. Now that's not to discredit any amount of discouragement or depression that anyone has suffered through. I have dealt with my fair share of it in ways that I never would have even fathomed But the message of Christmas is exactly that, hope. See, as we began brainstorming the theme for Advent this year, that word, hope, kept getting put out there over and over again. It was in those conversations that we realized that maybe part of the reason that we, as a people, have struggled so hard with hope is because we've forgotten where our hope comes from. As I said earlier, I've used this service as a time to really share more about the people connected to the Christmas story. Two years ago, we looked at the shepherds, and we did an in-depth study on them and why their role on the night of Christ's birth was so significant. And last year, it was the wise men and how God met them exactly where they were in life to reveal this divine gift to them. And the shepherds and the wise men seem to be the ones that get focused on a lot. But since we're in the midst of the unconventional... Tonight, I figured we'd go the unconventional route and look at someone who oftentimes gets glossed over in Scripture. It's almost a footnote at times and is not really often thought of as being connected to the Christmas story the way we see portrayed in storybooks or TV specials. Someone who understood just what it meant to live with hope in spite of his circumstances. His name was Simeon. So if you'll join me, I would like to read this from the word of the Lord. In Luke 2, verses 25 through 35, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, 
this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. When we look at Simeon, we see a man who is waiting for Christmas. He is quite literally spending his life waiting for Christ. And what's important to understand is that at this time, this idea to most is a hopeless endeavor. For all intents and purposes, Israel is at this point, they're God's chosen people, they have turned their backs on God. Consequently, we have a nation of people who had not heard from God for 400 years. Now, we've all lived through almost, through almost a year of what has probably been the most hopeless time any of us have ever experienced. Imagine 400 years. Aside from that, though it's not specifically stated, we can assume Simeon was also just an ordinary man. Based on the way he speaks and talks about this event in his life, we can assume he's been waiting a long time for this promise to be fulfilled. And so he was likely older. And really, he's not given any other kind of title except he was a man. Now, some believe he might have been a priest, but based on what the Bible says, he's given no mark or merit or indication of riches or status. There's nothing to distinguish him from anyone else. But yet we have this man who, in spite of his circumstances, is described by this He's righteous and devout. Now, it could be easy to wonder how this righteousness and devotion manifested itself in his life. But scripture makes it clear that Simeon was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. He was waiting for it. Some translations say that he was looking or he was listening for it, as in he was ardently and passionately pursuing it with open expectation. It stands to reason that the name Simeon means one who hears. It follows up by saying that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, in our own understanding, a person filled with the Holy Spirit would be manifesting fruits of the Spirit through word and deed. So it's safe to say that in everything that Simeon was, he was a God-filled man who believed the prophecies that were read earlier tonight that the Messiah would come. And he had been told that he would see him alive on this earth before he died. So just imagine being this man. You're waiting with expectation, but you're also likely being ridiculed by many people. You're probably being mocked or called crazy or worse for being as passionate about the Messiah as you are. But still, you cling to what you know to be true. And one morning, you wake up, just like any other morning. You wake to begin your day, but the Holy Spirit prompts you to go to the temple. Might not have been on your to-do list for the day, but you, being an obedient servant of the Lord, do just that. And while you're there, you see Mary and Joseph walk in to dedicate their child. And it's revealed to you in that moment. This is the hope. You were promised. This is the hope you've been waiting for. Hope has been 
born. I find it almost comical, Simeon's response in this situation. As he's sitting there and he's holding Jesus, Jesus, in his arms, he looks to heaven and he says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. His response is literally, I can die happy now. See, Simeon was ready to go. He was living. He knew. He was living in the greatest moment he would ever experience. During that first advent, he realized a truth that we should all cling to. We have Jesus. What more do we need? Because see, the truth is there is no righteousness without Christ-focused anticipation. There is no devotion without Christ-centered hope. Holiness in Christ isn't just knowing the right things to say or to do, but having a hope-driven heart like Simeon's. It means focusing all of your desire and your anticipation and your longing towards the Savior of the world. It means looking to the second coming of Christ so passionately that we could be described as Simeon was. He lived for one thing. He wanted to see one thing. And he waited with expectation for it, to the point that upon its arrival, he was at perfect peace, ready to die. He didn't need anything else. One of the things that I have heard the most leading into this Christmas season from kids and adults alike is what we'll be missing out on. Now, truthfully, this actually isn't the worst Christmas on record. I know it probably seems like it is, but it's not. In fact, at various points throughout the 17th century, Christmas celebrations were downright outlawed in different locations because of different political leaders. It wasn't until 1870 that it even became a federal holiday in America. But there seemed to be this consensus that it wouldn't feel like Christmas without the traditional family get-togethers or the tree-lighting ceremony at Crocker Park or the vacations. That it's not Christmas if we can't give gifts like we used to or go caroling at people's houses or have a Christmas concert. And to be fair, there are plenty of things that I myself have missed this year. As many of you might know, my wife Sarah and I bought our first home this past August, and it was a long-awaited dream for us to have a home we could finally call our own. And in years past, especially around Christmas time, we would dream about the day we could finally begin to host an annual Christmas party for family and friends. It may have been really one of the greater things we were looking forward to with home ownership. And as you can assume, though, that did not happen this year. In fact, in a lot of ways, our brand new home has felt kind of lonely during Christmas. But as I've heard from more and more people about what their expectation of Christmas was, and I began to look more at Simeon, I actually was reminded of the words my very good friend, Dr. Seuss, wrote in a book starring a particular green grump. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Now, I'm not necessarily saying Dr. Seuss was spouting some huge theological truth here. 
But the truth is we love our traditions and our get-togethers and the gifts and the lights and the singing and the cookies and the events and the celebrations and the trees and the ornaments. But at the end of the day, none of that is required for it to feel like Christmas. Because the reality that Simeon lived out, the realization that hope was born, is all that we actually need. It's all that really matters. In a strange way, in spite of everything, I'm thankful to be living through this Christmas. Maybe the circumstances that led us here could have been different, but I'm thankful to have everything else stripped away to remind me that my hope and your hope and the hope of the whole world is not contingent upon anything else but Christ. You know, what's interesting for us is this. Unlike Simeon, we are not waiting. We know what he learned that day, what he knew, what he came to understand and realize. Hope has been born. It is here. It is present. But unlike Simeon, we also have the benefit of knowing the end of that story. Because, you see, it's never stated but we can assume it's unlikely that Simeon lived long enough to see Jesus' earthly ministry come to be, or his crucifixion, or his resurrection. But he didn't need any of that. Jesus was enough. And where Simeon was present for the first advent, we live with expectation for the second one. Because of that, our hope as Christians should be stronger than Simeon's. Because we know the truth of who our Savior is and what he has accomplished. Nothing, not time, nor traditions, nor worldly change affect at all that our hope is eternal. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Are we celebrating Christmas like Simeon? If this year has taught us anything tangibly, it is to expect the unexpected that we are not in control, and that no amount of riches or power or prestige is enough to preserve your life. In a sense, we have all been humbled by our humanity. And I think in a large way, this realization for me personally has changed a lot of the ways that I think about things. For the first time ever, I hit a point leading up to Christmas where I realized I don't want anything meaning I don't want any thing. Because all I want for Christmas is a hope like Simeon's. Because Simeon's realization was that while hope was born on Christmas, it wasn't just for Christmas. It was for eternity. Just because the season looks different, or the year looks different, or life looks different, doesn't mean that our hope should be affected. Hopelessness is not reality. Hope was born. It is here. It will remain forever. And if you're hearing this for the first time and find yourself desiring that hope for yourself, or maybe you're having the realization that, you know what, my hope has been placed in things other than Christ, and I need to get myself recentered, I've got good news for you, friend. It is literally as simple as asking 
In Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Christ makes it so simple. He says, just come to me. I am your hope and I will be it forever. Jesus doesn't just want Christmas to be on December 25th each year, but for it to be a culmination of the hope that you found in him. So my prayer for you is the same as my prayer for me. God, may we be found seeking Christ when he comes again. Would you pray with me this evening? Father, I will be the first to admit that I am constantly battling against the affliction of hopelessness. Lord, the enemy would love nothing more, I know this, would love nothing more than to snatch our hope away. But God, we know the reality is the hope that you sent is eternal. There is no earthly circumstance that can actually take that away from us. You ask us to look to you, to see what you've already done, to realize that, yes, I sent my son, but it wasn't just for a day. It wasn't just for an evening. It wasn't just for that silent night. It was for the rest of eternity. Hope was born that night to exist forever. God, your hope for us, the one you wanted to birth in us, the one that was birthed when Christ was given birth, Lord. Father, fill us with your hope. As we stop and we think about the meaning of Christmas, in a time, in a year where we've been forced to, in many ways, approach the uncomfortable, sometimes even the unthinkable, things that make us feel downright depressed inside. God, help us to realize that none of that matters. It is not about any of that. That maybe it's a good thing we have to push all of this away to realize that Jesus is all we need that that is our reality. I thank you, God, for the gift of Christ, for the gift of hope, because without it, we are hopeless. Father, the same way that hope was born 2,000 years ago, let it be born in us tonight. Let it be revived in us tonight. That this season is not about toys or gifts or parades or music or laughter or family gatherings. It is solely about you. Everything is extra. Everything else is extra. But that we can lose it and still have hope because we have you. And nothing can take that away from us. Jesus, we thank you. We invite your presence in here with us tonight, Lord, as we come before you just to lay ourselves at your feet and worship you.